time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. And welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 153 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton, but most importantly, we hug chickens every day and we kiss them too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house in historic Gettysburg, PA. Bantam Coffee Roasters. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Today we're back to my favorite, the Kenyan coffee with its notes of caramel. Oh, it's delicious. We have a special note about Bantam Coffee Roasters. Yeah, if you use the code FLUFFYBUTT at checkout, it's 10% off anything in the online shop. That's amazing. So go over to BantamRoasters.com. And follow them on social media. Oh, they have some chicken Halloween t-shirts up that are to die for. Go look. Amazing. So are you ready to sip some of this delicious coffee and chat? I am. But first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. They're here, new and improved Grubly's World Harvest. I'm a longtime subscriber and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats, plus orders $40 and more ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. Grubly Farms makes food and treats for healthy pets and planet. To support us and Grubly's, go to our website or our show notes and use the link. Try it today. So how are you doing? I'm great. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Is that your evil laugh? (laughs) Yeah. Is that your evil laugh too? It's a little, uh, that's not a normal laugh. That's just not my evil (laughs) laugh. It's Halloween. It is. I really like Halloween. The kids are older now, though. They're not, they're into it, but not really as into it. But I really enjoy Halloween. But, you know, our neighborhood, we don't have any trick-or-treaters anyway. Plus, Pete and I turn off all the lights and watch TV. Well, of course you're not going to get trick-or-treaters if you turn off all the lights. But no one trick-or-treats in my neighborhood. It's so rural. They're like, we're not going over to that house. Scary. (laughs) And then the roosters start going off. (laughs) The sheep start going off. They're like... Run. Run. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So we had our Halloween party for our neighborhood. We have it the weekend before Halloween on Saturday. Uh-huh. So everybody gets together. It's like a big block party. And then all the kids trick or treat. Okay. So Halloween is kind of quiet over here. It's kind of quiet over here. But we do get some straggler trick or treaters. And I greet them with, ha, 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 ha. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, I can't believe it's Halloween already. Where did this year go? I know. Fall has flown by. Fall has f- Fall fallen. Has flown. <laughs> Fall has fallen. <laughs> it's done. It's done. I mean, I mean, once you have Halloween, it's the turn to Christmas. Well, Thanksgiving, but yeah. No, Thanksgiving's just... No, no. That's oh. one of my favorite holidays. It's a blimp. It's like... It's a blimp? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you eat too much turkey, you could be a blimp. I don't think it's a turkey that does it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> There's a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Stuffing might be contender. <laughs> I eat a lot of stuff. I love me some stuffing. Girl, I love the stuffing. Yeah. I mean, Joe and Michelle are in constant competition with my stuffing. Can't but do it. They have never beat me with stuffing, and they will not. 
So, Joe, honey, I know you're listening, but I was going to say, dangerous. don't even try it again this year. Oh, you're done. The gauntlet has been thrown <laughs> down. Do not try to beat her stuffing. But we're still at Halloween here. Okay. Yeah. So, so, anything else going on besides Halloween? Trying to figure out our birds for next year. Oh, yeah. We might not be able to get the duck. It's okay. We have so much going on. Having to yeah. build another run is just kind of insurmountable. We've all been very busy. Super busy. With lots of stuff in life. And yeah. life happens, you know? It does. It Sometimes does. life happens. And Well, I'm not going to be shedding any tears if I have to get more chickens. <laughs> I have to pick tears out new joy. chickens, right? Tears, tears of, of joy. You'd be like, <laughs> yes, I yes. get more chickens. All I know is there might be some silver spangled hamburgs in my future. Maybe. Maybe. Could happen. It could happen for you. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What's going on over your side? Nothing much. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing much. Well... We're busy. Nothing much. A a lot of busyness, but nothing like out of the ordinary. Okay. Just an ordinary time. Halloween. Yeah. That's that kind of stuff. And we're going to the Ohio Nationals in just a... Yeah. So if you want to come to the the National Chicken Show, you can meet us there. 150th anniversary of the American Poultry Association. We're going to be there. And the Ohio National. We're going on a road trip. We are. Chicken Lady Road Trip. Yep. Definitely. Okay. In the Subaru. Yes. On that note, <laughs> if you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head on over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show. And while you're there, hit that subscribe button. It does two things. The first thing is you never miss an episode. And the second thing is we really do grow with subscribers. If you're looking for other ways to help support the podcast, you can share your favorite episodes on social media. You can tell a few chicken-loving friends about the podcast. You can visit our Etsy shop, check out our t-shirts, our mugs, and maybe some more little chickens. Get some merch or swag. <laughs> chicken lady swag. You can become a patron of the show, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. A huge welcome to our newest patrons. And thank you to all of our existing patrons. Thank you. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our website, and our show notes, use our affiliate links and discount codes, and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah? Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the August box, I absolutely love those amazingly good-smelling nest box herbs and that giant roll of rooster stickers. They're great. I love the wood decorative plate. It's going up in our studio today. And with all my baking, those egg separators are going to work awesomely. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. 
Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery, defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business, working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog today. <laughs> it's time for Breed Spotlight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My goodness, didn't know you had that in you. Yes, I did. <laughs> you did? I did. Well, this week, it's Halloween, right? So we It's to- Halloween and I'm a oh witch. My- Don't do that through the whole spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> it's Halloween. And because it's Halloween, we wanted to do a really goth chicken, right? There are a few good gothy chickens. There but are. We ultimately decided to go with the gothiest bird of them all, the Cayuga duck. It's a duck. The Cayuga are the only breed of poultry that lay a black egg. And it really doesn't get more goth than that, does it? No. So, yeah, it's not dark brown. It's black. It's black. Essentially the same way a brown coating is put on by the hen. Right. The duck hen puts a black coating on the oh, eggs. Oh, yeah. And it gets lighter as the season goes on, but that's a whole other ballgame. So, yeah, and if you look up the eggs, they're really cool looking. They're very cool looking. Now, also, this week's guest is a duck maven, and she's written a book on duck keeping. So the Cayuga only made sense. It does really make sense with our guest coming up. Mm-hmm. The Cayuga is a black duck known for their gorgeous metallic sheen. I Those feathers... If you like black feathers, a lot of them have the green sheen mm-hmm. that I call it. But this duck has amazing amounts of green sheen where when the light hits, it looks green. It lo- Like the feathers look metallic. It's they really beautiful. They look like metallic green. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, when you were younger, watched the movie uh, The Boy with Green Hair? I don't think I have. It was always on Sunday mornings, like okay. on CBS or something. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Lifestyle Conservancy... Currently lists the Cayuga in the watch category of the conservation priority list. Okay, so we need to watch. So that means we need more people to have the stock. Right. The Cayuga was named for the Native American Cayuga people. They're one of the Iroquois nations, and they historically populate the Finger Lakes region of New York State. Okay. Like their namesake, the Cayuga duck was also developed in the Finger Lakes region, specifically around Lake Cayuga. Shocker. Right? There we go. There are a couple of different stories about who started breeding them, but there's no hard and fast evidence to prove that any of these stories are factual. Okay, so let's take a listen to the stories. Mm -hmm. Let's see what sounds, what could be more correct. So one of the most popular stories states that in 1809, so very early in American history, a miller trapped a pair of wild ducks in his pond and he bred them, eventually producing the black Cayuga duck. The Livestock Conservancy, however, notes that this story is actually from John J. Audubon's Birds of America, published in 1843, and it is attached to the Gadwell duck, not the Cayuga. So a different duck. Yeah. But not this one. Right. Okay. The other, I would say the other most popular story states that Cayugas are domesticated relatives of the wild black duck. But Dave Holdered pokes holes in this theory in Story's Guide to Raising Ducks, which by the way is another great book. Pick it up if you're interested in duck right. keeping. So among other reasons, Holderhead points out that the American black ducks don't have the curled sex feathers on their tails the way mallard drakes do. Okay. 
Most evidence points to the Cayuga being yet another descendant of the Mallard. They look so, like a Mallard. Yeah. So whether it was a group of people in that area that all started working on it or just one person that then spread them out, we don't know. We just we know where they came from. The Mallard would make sense because it has a lot of the Mallard markings. It, the we'll markings, talk about that coming up, but yeah. Yeah. And the body shape of the Mallard also. Right. The Cayuga appeared in the first printing of the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1874. The APA classes them as medium weight. And it's interesting to note that ducks used to be very popular poultry kept on farms in the late 18th and throughout the 19th century in the U.S. Duck keeping really began to decline in the early 20th century Okay, as people moved towards cities and commercial chicken farming took off. The Cayugas have always been fairly popular amongst duck fanciers in the UK as well. They were first imported into the UK in 1871. It's a beautiful duck. They really are gorgeous. It reminds me of a glorified mallard. Okay, so the Cayugas are black ducks, like I said, with that extreme green kind of sheen, metallic to their feathers. And if you look closely, like I said, you see the mallard, the mallard's markings. Yeah, you can. I mean, you definitely see that. Now, drakes do have typical curled sex feathers on their tails, and you can see that when you right. look at the pictures also. Yep. So that's a good thing. And both the male and the female have dusky legs and feet, dark bills, and dark brown eyes. Mm-hmm. They're mean, really pretty. They're beautiful ducks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, just like having this extraordinary extraordinarily colorful duck when the sun hits beautiful for photographs they're really unique so yeah let's look at their medium bodied they have a broad chest like a lot of ducks do medium length neck and the drakes average about seven to eight pounds and the duck hens six to seven pounds so they're that medium yeah medium right in that middle range Uh white feathers may occur occasionally Mm mm-hmm That's a nice little tidbit there. I also read that as the Cayugas get older, they tend to have more white feathers coming in. They get gray hair. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, uh, Jersey Giants do sometimes as well. Yeah. The white feathers, though, are disqualification in the show ring. Your Cayugas need to be all black feathers. A white feather could be like, you're out. Right. You're out. That's it. Okay, so they don't lay as many eggs as some duck breeds, okay? But... The hens will give you, on average, 150 a year. That's pretty good for a duck. And Yeah, large duck eggs. are. They're large a, duck yeah. eggs. And duck eggs are known to be better for baking. They're higher fat content. They will make your baked goods much richer. So they say. That's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> and they lay the dark black egg. Yeah, early in the season, you'll get the black. And as the year goes on, it gets lighter. Now, my my question is... The following year, will it get darker again? As they get older, apparently they'll still start off laying a couple of dark eggs and then they'll go lighter. So they essentially end up laying a gray egg. Yeah, like it's a light smoke color. Actually, the colors look gray. Some of them even almost get to white. It really depends on your duck. Like the colored eggs, I mean, some of them actually looked green. Well, that's a gray. Sometimes the eggs end up looking marbled. I saw that. What happens there is that it's the bloom being... Right. The pigment. Yeah, being scratched off. Here we go. Here's a better example with this picture. Uh Those are cool. That looks like a marble countertop. It really does. 
I mean, it looks like granite almost. They look like they're carved out of stone. Yeah. Honestly, if it's you're really going to bring this duck into your duck flock, one thing that you're going to love is this duck is very photogenic. Oh, yeah. The eggs are photogenic. Yep. And this would be a great, I don't want to say, like have a social media page and put out there for everybody to see the beauty of this duck. I would love that. They really are gorgeous ducks. I wonder if they, a lot of duck breeds will lay a blue egg. There's a whole color called duck egg blue. Right. So I'm wondering if the Cayugas sometimes do as well. These just look like, I mean, honestly, if you can picture a granite countertop in, yeah. in black, white, and gray marbled, yep. that's what these eggs look like. Yeah. And yeah. they're pretty amazing looking. I think so. I like everything about this duck. Yeah. So Cayugas, they're multi-purpose poultry though too. Yes. They make really good pets, which you found the information on, and companions and showbirds, but don't put that white feather up. Oh, yeah. No white feathers. They're great dual-purpose birds for homesteads and farms. And great garden helpers. And they are a sensational part of a regenerative agriculture program. Well, ducks are known even more than chickens for eating insects, ticks, everything that's in your yard. eat grubs that turn into Japanese beetles, which are the bane of my existence. Yeah, ducks are known to really eat, like I said, go above and beyond chickens. Yep, they will really clean up insects that invade your garden. Now, the other thing is ducks are known to be much more cold-hardy than chickens. Right, yeah, they are. I mean, that their feathers and everything are made for cold water, for cold right. temperatures. So if you're in a colder environment, ducks may be for you. Oh, yeah. I don't think they like extreme heat. But, you know, the good thing there is that they're they waterfowl. Water, so, right? you know, make sure you have a source of water for them. I think the most important thing with ducks is 100% of the time, a water source for them to right, get into. because they have to be able to clear their nostrils in totally. the water, put their head in the water. Yeah, Even a baby pool, something for them I to get in. I think even just a dish or a bucket. If they, ha- they have to have something. Right, exactly. Ducklings are crazy cute. I think that counts. That goes without saying. Right. The Cayugas are moderately active birds. They're not as busy as some of the light-bodied ducks, like the Indian runners. Oh, yeah. They're going to be running around your yard. Right. So the Cayugas, they're going to be out doing things, but they're not going to be crazy busy. Now, if you have the Cayuga duck and you're out there, send us some pictures. Please. We would love to see it. The other thing we need to say is, I believe this duck can be purchased from McMurray Hatchery. Yes. They do carry them, I believe. Yeah. It's getting easier to get ducks, but McMurray does have some really nice duck lines. They have some beautiful duck lines. Mm -hmm. Again, if you have them, send us pictures. We would love to see them. An American heritage breed duck. Let's do it. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from Nestera.us. For a 5% discount, use the affiliate link in our show notes, on our website, and on Instagram. Link in bio. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. They're back with an innovative new product. You're going to want to check this out. It's an extra large set, a 14-pound feeder and three-gallon water with steep anti-roost lids. They're made of super durable material. You can either stand them on legs or hang them on brackets on your coop or fence. They're easy to remove and clean too. Plus, they look awesome. We personally use Roosties and we're huge fans. 
So if you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, check out the Roosty store on Amazon or follow the link in our show notes. Okay, so now it's time for main topic. Yeah. 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 This week, our guest is Lisa Seal, blogger, book writer. Most people know Lisa by this point. We're going to have a conversation about oats in your chicken's diet. Yes. And just something to note here. Most commercial feeds have oats in them already. I would say your chickens are already getting them right. in their feet. And science has proven that oats provide a lot of benefits. So carbohydrates and fiber, as well as several essential vitamins, nutrients, calcium, protein, soluble fiber, which is really important for a lot of the digestive process. In short, oats are an excellent addition to poultry diets. Yes, 100%. So in this interview, we're going to get into a lot of the pros, why oatmeal is such a beneficial thing. Okay, so welcome, Lisa Steele. Here's the interview. Enjoy. Okay, today we are thrilled to welcome Lisa Steele back to the show. If you don't know Lisa, go check her out. She's got books. She's got a blog. She's got recipes, everything you could want, oh, and a TV show. Lisa, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, Lisa, how are you doing? Good. Always fun to come and chat with you, too. Always a blast. We are getting ready for winter to start soon. Mm -hmm. You know, you are in cold and snowy Maine. (laughs) And apparently we're all in the El Nino this year. So we're going to all be getting some snow. Excellent. (laughs) Well, because this is our Halloween episode, (laughs) because this is our Halloween episode, we're going to talk a little bit about an ingredient that sometimes has surprisingly crazy detractors. It's pretty controversial. Yeah. So what? Chicken- controversy and chicken keeping? <laughs> Never. So when Same the chickens so. come to the door and say trick or treat, <laughs> what do we give them? Oatmeal. I just thought a bunch of scratch grains. I know, but I'm supposed to say oatmeal. <laughs> Mixed with oatmeal. Oatmeal. Oatmeal gets a really, really bad rap. A lot of folks don't realize that most, I would say all, pretty much all commercial chicken food does feature oats as one of the ingredients. You look at the back of the bag, it tells you right there in the ingredient list, rolled oat. It's a very, very healthy additive to a, a balanced chicken diet. But for whatever reason, it's just, it's like a hot button amongst the chicken keeping community. Now, you are a longtime proponent of using it. We use it as well. You have got several blog posts about the benefits of oatmeal and I think some recipes that feature oatmeal as well, right? Yes. Yeah. I actually have been adding rolled oats. Sometimes I use oat groats, but I've been adding them to my chicken's daily feed for more than 15 years. So I honestly was shocked when a few years ago I started getting pushback. There were some people writing and saying how you know detrimental and dangerous it was to feed chickens oats and it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, it just, it makes zero sense. You know, I'm I'm not a scientist by any means or a vet, but I do a lot of research, a lot of reading. I actually found studies. The oats are really great for cutting protein, especially for ducklings. Ducks, you know, don't do well on, on high protein. So the oats do cut the protein a little bit, but they're full of antioxidants and vitamins and minerals. And, you know, the chickens love them. I, I just don't see a downside to adding oats. In addition, you know, like you said, there are in the feed, chicken feed is a bunch of different oats and grains and seeds and whatever, but I do add them to their daily feed. And also I like to make my chickens oatmeal in the winter, which is kind of where all the pushback 
ended up. It, it turned into Oatmeal Gate, which I think <laughs> it's hysterical. <laughs> it is. I mean, always left me scratching my head. We started three years ago. We got pushed back. Yeah, we did. With the podcast. The podcast started three years ago. And we started saying that's what we've been doing for Holly for 20 plus years, me for 10 years. And a lot of people pushed back on us and we're like, this doesn't make sense. Right. So we ended up writing an article about it. For today's show, I went back and redid a lot of that research. And I've got two new studies in support of oatmeal. Still no hard and fast studies that have anything bad to say. I mean, we're pretty science-based. And so before we do a show, we spend a lot of time researching and I've never found any really big scientific study that says there is anything bad that oats will do if your chickens eat them. It's always the contrary. Exactly. And in moderation, you know, I, I'll right. go up to like 20%. I think you said one of the studies said up to 20% of their diet. And I am pretty liberal with the oats, especially with my ducks. But, you know, anything, if you're just feeding it exclusively, could have some problems. You know, you're not feeding your chickens just a diet of oats, but the occasional, you know, warm oatmeal on a cold morning or adding them, you know, to their feed. I use oats with my baby chicks can help with pasty butt. Yes. You know, pasty butt can kill them. So yes. for someone to say, don't use oats. I mean, what's the alternative? Your your chickens get pasty butt and die. So yeah, I don't understand. Well, I do understand where it's coming from. But I, it doesn't it doesn't make common sense for for someone to think that feeding oats chickens is a bad thing. Right? Not, not at all. I mean, we heard people saying that it causes necrotic tissue in the gut. There were some really big charges against oats in the diet. Like it would literally kill your chickens. It wasn't just, yeah. like, oh, it'll, Crazy. you know, make them nutritionally deficient or whatever. It was like literally your chickens are going to die if they eat oats. No, I've never lost a chicken to eating oatmeal. I can say that. <laughs> 20 years, never lost a chicken to oatmeal. In fact, you know, making oatmeal right before bed with a little bit of corn in it, it's really good to get that internal furnace going to keep them warm and keep their body metabolizing things overnight. It's a really good thing to do. It doesn't clog their system. Like a lot of people are saying it sticks to the gut. It does this. It does that. It's high fiber. It comes straight through. It helps move stuff through. Right. <laughs> Some of the charges against it are crazy. I, well, they are crazy. But when I was doing research for the article, and I wrote the article about two years ago, one of the things I found is that barley can be troublesome. The ingredient in both oats and barley that people are call calling into question is glucans, beta-glucans. And in the case of barley, the processed barley, the non-whole barley was the problem. And if you added gluconase, an amino acid, birds can metabolize it with no problem. Oats had nothing like this. So the two newest studies, the first is a 2021 study. This is from the Journal of Animal Nutrition. Essentially, scientists found that birds that had oat hulls and essential oils added to their feed showed marked health improvements, specifically an increase of beneficial bacteria. That's the opposite of necrotic tissue. That's right. awesome. That That's healthy gut, right. The other study, and this one I feel like is a real breakthrough, the 2023 study was in the Agriculture Journal. A group of Hungarian scientists added larger than normal amounts of barley and oats to broiler diets. The high levels of barley did show some adverse reactions, but the oats did not cause any significant problems, even as high as 20% of the diet. 
it's a good sound study. It's pretty substantial. You know, they had they had a large group of birds they were studying. They had large control mm-hmm. groups. I feel like, you know, evaluating this for the science, I feel like this is a sound study. And this says exactly what we've been thinking. Up to a fifth of their diet can be oats, and it still contributes to nothing but good health. Right, right. No adverse. And, and that's exactly why trying to learn from social media or non-scientific sites and including mine. I mean, I'm not saying read my blog and, you know, take it as gospel, but I do a lot of research. I talk to a lot of people like yourselves, mm-hmm. like poultry scientists, um, you know, and I'm not out there to scare people. And there are definitely things that can be harmful for your chickens. And I have written about them, but oats is not one of them, you know, clearly. And the fact that there are studies, there are so few studies really on chickens and chicken health. So it is right. very yes. exciting when a study does come out. It's generally not the United States. It's, it's Europe. A lot of times it's like the African nations do a lot of yeah. study with with chickens and poultry. Um, and I just find the studies so interesting. And, you know, I hope that people look at their sources. And most of what I have learned is from educational sites. Maine, University of Maine has a wonderful extension service site. Yeah. Um, and I do subscribe, and I'm sure you do too, to a lot of the poultry science newsletters and things. Right. And there's all kinds of fascinating things that they're studying and talking about you know, trying to get good information out there when you get drowned out by the fear mongers, you know, sometimes it's hard and it's discouraging when the ultimate losers are the chickens, you know, for the pasty, but, you know, adding it for the baby chicks is great. I've also read studies, I think that came out of Japan that feeding chickens oats reduced aggression in them and also made them uh, handle heat stress better. Japan, I guess it's really hot in Japan. I also read a study where they kept their chicks at 100 degrees for multiple weeks right after right. hatch because they felt it hardened them off to the heat and they became more heat tolerant birds. Wow. So, but as part of that, they were also talking about feeding them oats, which helped them become more heat tolerant. You know, so it's all just fascinating stuff. Yeah. And I love when science backs up something that you or that I have been doing and know works just from personal experience. But, you know, personal experience only goes so far. Right. Exactly. Kind of, uh, this isn't oats, but like suet cakes, you know, there's a big thing out there. They go right hand in hand with the oatmeal. They have a little bit of fat in them. And, you know, sometimes the chickens need that little bit of fat in the winter to help that system keep going, plump them up a tiny bit and keep that, keep them warmer. You don't want a really skinny chicken in the winter. They're oh, not no. going to have enough to keep them warm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm a little more generous with these scratch grains, which we know are not, you know, nutritionally balanced, but they do love them. And it, like you said, it right before bedtime, they digest them and they generate energy digesting, digesting overnight. So the oats, the scratch grains, the suet. Yeah. I, you know, baking grease is not the best thing in the world for any of us, but for chickens who don't have heat in their coop, who live in cold climates, they are burning right through that. And I am not worried about giving, you know, any of that to my chickens. Chickens do require a certain amount of fat in their diet. Like most people, people, animals, mammals, there are vitamins that are only fat soluble. So fat is an important part of their diet. And there is a fat content even in their daily pellets or or crumble. Of course. I feel like that all goes back to the education. I mean, I get it. You know, when you first get chickens, you're like, what have I done? You know, you're trying to learn all these things. And back when you and when I first got chickens, there was almost no information out there. No, there wasn't. 
And I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, I started writing books actually because there was so little information out there. Now it's done a reverse and there's almost too much information. Out exactly. There. Yeah. You know, I, I've, seen, I've seen books or courses being given. I saw a girl uh, offering a paid course, now paid course, no less on raising chickens. And she said she would be updating the course when her chickens started laying eggs. So this this woman hadn't even had chickens long enough for them to start laying eggs. And she was charging people for a course on how to raise them. Why? And that's what you're getting. You're getting the instant experts now. So it's, it is, it's really important to look at your sources and, and who you're listening to and, and who's giving you that information. There's just too much to sort through. Whereas when we started, there was too little. Right, right. I feel yeah. like this is one time when experience actually plays a role in it because I believe that you learn as you go, as you experience things with them. And you can't talk about raising chickens until you've been through it all. And you, you know, you learn as you go, you know, so I feel like this is one place where experience and your years do say that. I mean, you know at least one more. whole year, you know, you know, with chickens, it's so seasonal, you know, so they yes. start laying and they molt and then you know they're broody and then there's just so much that goes along with the first year of raising chickens and I I mean I I think my first book came out like two years after I started my blog which was three years after we started raising chickens which was after having them as a child right you know, so I didn't just jump into it and just like start writing blog posts just you know off the top of my head like this was something that I even eased into I didn't even start hatching my own chicks until I had been doing it for a couple of years, you know, and I see these people get chickens and then they want to know if they can hatch the first egg that their chicken lays. And I'm thinking like, get some, some time under your belt, you know, yeah. it's got to be done in stages. Exactly. It's a get process. A solid foundation. Yeah. It absolutely. is definitely a process. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like you said, the, the social media groups, everyone, we've said this multiple times on lots of episodes, please stay away from them. <laughs> they we go through sometimes and just look to see what's in so that we know what we're battling back against. Mm -hmm. And the amount of bad information that's out there is immense. It makes me sad. It's so sad. And like you said, the ones who suffer are the chickens, the chicken advice of basically treating your chickens for everything and not getting veterinary care. It's out there everywhere. So, you know, make sure you go to a reputable place. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's not, it's not as fun and as exciting to pick up a book. But, you know, books are fact checked. You know, there's someone who is going through after the person has written, I mean, after the person has gotten a book deal as like an expert, and then they're fact checked by an external fact checker after that. So you have some faith that what you're reading is is good information. And, and like I said, the, the educational sites, pretty much every state has an extension service site, and they have really wonderful information. A lot of it is not backyard. You know, a lot of it is more on the commercial or large farm, right. but at least it's a good place to start. We were just talking before we started recording about people emailing and messaging us. We say this mm -hmm. constantly. You say this constantly. If you need us, we're here. Email or mm -hmm. message us any mm -hmm. of your questions and, you know, we'll help you the best of our ability. And for the people who do, we hope that we've helped you. Yeah. We get lots of questions and we answer every single one of them. You will get Thank us. You You'll yeah, get us. I answer every email. I don't respond to social media. I, I rarely visit social media. I post and walk away because it's just, it's too much. It's too noisy, too loud. It's, it's yeah. a lot. But I do answer every email and I do try to answer all my Instagram messages. I think I missed some, but I absolutely answer all my email. Usually, you know, within hours, 
And I absolutely encourage people to, to reach out and, you know, don't feel bad because, you know, everyone has questions and I would rather give you the right answer the first time than have you try a million things that aren't going to work because you didn't want to bother me. Right. And it actually ends up costing more. I think that's what people don't really understand. It doesn't save you money to take the shortcuts because there are reasons that we do things that seem like we're doing them the hard way or the long way, but there are reasons we're doing that. We're trying to save you and your birds from having to have a negative experience that we already had. Kind of like with oats. I mean, an easy (laughs) way, inexpensive way, actually, keep your birds healthier, a good source of fiber. Let's talk a little bit more about the way we each use oats. Yeah, let's go. Let's say how we'll start with Lisa. She's our guest. How do you use oats and which way do you use them with the chickens? Okay, for baby chicks, I do sprinkle some rolled oats or even give them a little dish of rolled oats because of that pasty butt thing. You know, when you get them shipped, especially, it can be a problem. And then I do add the oats to my chicken's daily feed along with a whole bunch of other supplements, either rolled oats or the oat growth. And then... The oatmeal, you know, in the winter. And I I don't literally make them oatmeal. I pour the oats into like a usually a cake pan or something, heat up water in a tea kettle. I put my coat and my boots on and whatever, pour the warm water over the oats just to moisten them. I don't want them like super mushy or whatever. And then by the time I get down to the coop, it's cooled enough. I'll sometimes sprinkle cinnamon, cayenne pepper, you know, both of those things. The cinnamon is great for respiratory and the cayenne pepper is really good for circulation. So I kind of mix that all up together. It's a nice you know, winter, that's kind of like what their winter oatmeal is. And I, I don't do it every day. And I make enough. So maybe everybody gets a tablespoon, you know, you're yeah. not talking yeah. about every chicken is getting a cup full of oatmeal every morning. You know, it's, <laughs> that would it's be cute. <laughs> here's your oatmeal bowl. Would, that would be so cute. Oh my God. To get little mini bowls and feed them all on a line. Yeah. I will be doing that next winter. <laughs> but that's basically how I use oats. I kind of use them the same exact way you do. And I do add cinnamon and red pepper flakes to mine also. Mm -hmm. And, but with the exception, I do steam some frozen corn and throw that in just as some fresh corn in there. I only feed corn in the winter. So it's that winter treat that they get. And I give it to them right before bed, about an hour before bed, half an hour before bed. Yeah. And I do wet mine down with hot water um, to make oatmeal sometimes dry. But at night, I do make like oatmeal Mm -hmm. for them Mm -hmm. because I feel like it'll last a little longer. And I give the chicks oatmeal if they get pasty butt too. The, The pasty butt thing is fantastic. I mean, anytime I've ever had a little bit of pasty butt, break out the oats, the babies love them. You can mm-hmm. get quick oats so that you can crumble them a little bit. So it's just off. little bits. Yeah. Yeah. Or you yeah. can, I guess, grind them a little bit in a coffee grinder. But I will throw handfuls of oatmeal in with a scratch before I give it out. I have two great big laying flocks. And then my husband and I do a lot of rescue. So we have several smaller coops from rescue birds. So we'll make a bag of good yummy stuff, some greens, some scratch, some oatmeal. I'll throw the oats right in there and uh, give them out that way. I also, and this is kind of contrary to all of our own advice, because I have a handful of very geriatric hens, I will sometimes give them warm oats in the morning, you know, moisten with warm water because those girls come out, they're stiff, they're arthritic, they're little old ladies. Mm-hmm. Such a bad thing, honestly. And that gets, sometimes they'll stand around for a while before they eat. 
But I found if I gave them a little warm oatmeal, it got their appetites going a little better. I feel like these are my little old ladies. If you give it first thing in the morning, it's almost like giving it at night too, because there's the whole rest of the day for them to be hungry yeah. to eat. And you know what? Yeah. If they're cold, when they come out, they're not going to want to move. That's the problem. Right. So right. I don't think that's a bad thing and at all. Even then, I'm, not, I'm only giving it to them on the coldest mornings. It's not a regular thing. And Same. I've never, ever seen any adverse reaction to it. Me. No. You know what else you can do, though? I also sometimes will just add the warm water to some of their layer feed. Yeah. You know, pour warm water over oh, that. Yeah, make um, mash. Well, yeah. And in the summer, it's great for hydration. Use yep. the cold water. And then in the yep. winter, it just, I don't know if it even helps them, but it makes me feel better if they're eating warm food first thing in the morning when they come out. I mean, probably not because it's not getting to their stomach. You know, they're holding it in their crop. But I got to feel that just having something warm. Yeah, it's better than just eating cold, and they really love it. So they do. We they really do love that it too. Like if you make a hot mash, we call it mash. They it gets the aroma going a little bit more. It smells a little bit more, and they tend to kind of go towards it. And yeah. it's different. It, the texture is a little different right. for them. They really love it. Also, they really do. I think you could throw some oats in with mash. That would yeah, be you could. You could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we said, as long as you're not exceeding about 20% of their daily food, every shred of scientific evidence I've seen. We've even asked our various poultry vets who are like, why are you even asking that? There's nothing (laughs) wrong with oats. Right. Right. Exactly. So I think we've said all the information. Well, let me tell you a little story. Oatmeal Gate started about three years ago. It just leaves me scratching my head. I just... It blows when my mind. The first time someone said how bad oatmeal was, I did some, you know, like a little Google search and was like, what in the world? I kind of panicked for a second. I was like, oh no. And then I'm thinking, wait, my chickens have been eating oats for 15 years. I've had ducks live to be 12 years old. I have current chickens who I think are 10 and 11 years old. So yeah. Thinking, wait, it doesn't kill them. Right. But then too, I was like, okay, where is this coming from? Maybe there's like a kernel of truth, you know, way in deep somewhere. But even that I couldn't. You got the researching guru right here who researches Mm -hmm. like every single day of her life and she can't find a single shred. I am a nerd. What can I tell you? Use your common sense when you're reading a study, you know, look at who did the study. Look at um, what they're saying. Try to find other studies that have similar um, findings, things like that. I think, I think this, all this comes down to is put a little extra effort in your information. Think about it. Do a little research of your own and be mm-hmm. honest with yourself about what you're finding. I think that goes a really long way. And my number one thing to pay attention to is when you're getting your information, really look at the experience of the person yeah. that you're getting it from because that will tell you a ton. You know, this is one case where experience does, you know, more, the more you're, the longer you're doing it, you know. Well, and I will put a caveat in to say that just because somebody has been doing something for a long time, doesn't necessarily mean that they have learned anything. So I I agree. There is an exception. Also look at, you know, if you're following someone before you start taking their follow them and and get an idea of what they're all about and look at how long their chickens are living if they have any incidences of illnesses you know like kind of their history because you can do something for a very long time and not learn anything there are many people that do that this is true this (laughs) is definitely true well let's move on to some other fun stuff 
Your second season of your PBS show just dropped. Tell us a little bit more about that. It did. So it's called Welcome to My Farm, and it is on over 300 public television stations across the country. It's also on Create TV. I can't tell you exact dates and times. You can check your local listings because each you know PBS station can air it mm-hmm. at different times. I It's also streaming on Passport, which is the public television streaming service. And I just mm-hmm. found out if you donate at least $60 a year, you get Passport for free. Plus, nice. you know, you help support public television, nice. which is great. Yeah. And it's also streaming on Apple TV, which I just found out last week. So if you want to watch, check all your streaming services, check your local listings, because it's it's a lot of places. Um, So it's season two, season one uh, aired last year. So there's eight season eight episodes in season one, another eight for season two. And basically, it's just kind of a day in the life. You know, I have so many people say, we're going to be in Maine. Can we come visit you? And I say, no, watch the television show. You know, um, it's it's kind of a, a way to, you know, go beyond. I, I feel like it's bringing social media to life. You know, so all right. the things you see me do on social media, you can come with me for the day. If I feed the chickens, I might make them a treat. I might go pick strawberries. I might go to a maple syrup farm. I come back, I cook something. You know, it, it's just, just kind of like that kind of yeah. vibe. And it's super fun to do. And I think it's a really fun show. So welcome to my farm. Uh, just, you know, search your listings and figure out where you can watch. I will link the show in the show notes. And then from okay. there, everyone needs to find their local market or streaming service. Is there any, did you do anything this season that's a really standout for one of your favorite things? Everything. So I, I, I think the most fun episode was we went ice fishing. I had only been once before and a friend of mine is a native Mainer. And so she came, we went ice fishing for the day. Her corgis came out to visit. I made a nice little lunch for us. Um, but it's just, it's so beautiful because we were on this frozen lake, like in Northern Maine with all the, the trees. And it was just, it was very cool. And I hope that, you know, I'm trying to highlight Maine as well as, you know, the whole chicken thing, because how much can you say about chicken? Season one, we kind of did all the chicken stuff, you know, but I introduced the the viewers to a couple different flock members each season. But I also want people to kind of feel like they've come to Maine. And I'd say ice fishing was probably the best episode we did. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's amazing stuff. I love Maine. My husband and I, before kids, went to Maine. I've never been there. Yeah, we went, we always did a New England weekend. We went to Perkins Cove. And I fell in love with Perkins Cove. It was so, it was so nice. We walked all around and ate lobster right on the restaurant, looking over everything. It was awesome. It's so, yeah, it's, it, we love living here. It's great. Maine is great. It's just beautiful. So anything new with you on the duck front? You have any new breeds coming in or you just have your same lovely crew? Mm, I know we need more ducks. So funny story. I think two years ago, I was traveling in the spring and I got back and it turned out that one of our ducks was sitting on eggs. Well, two of our ducks, actually, they co-mommed and my husband hadn't been collecting them. So we didn't know how old they were and I couldn't take them away because they were probably, you know, ducklings developing. So we got these unexpected three little ducks that are, the dad is definitely an Ancona. And then two of the ducks, the mom was a blue magpie and one the mom was a blue runner. So these three came out kind of like blue spotted. They are the cutest little things. Of course, our other ducks were thrilled because they had more friends, but they were kind of our unexpected ducks. And I, I generally am a big fan of, of purebreds. You know, I, I support mm-hmm. the livestock conservancy. I really 
think it's important to preserve the pure breeds because they were bred for temperament, for appearance, for for different reasons, you know. So I'm not a big fan of kind of just like mate everybody in your barnyard and see mm-hmm. what happens. But these three little little ducks were so unexpected. All three turned out to be girls, which statistically Ooh. is yeah. Know, Wow, a little miracle there. (laughs) Yeah, a little miracle. And they are just the cutest little things. So I'm so tempted to now just kind of hatch some of their eggs to see what happens and get more little spotted ducks. But no, no. But so on a sad note, I think since the last time, I don't remember when, we lost Gregory, our our Pekin Drake. Yeah, he he had just turned 12. I guess it was last winter. And he was a great, a great duck. I mean, he was just, he was so fun. Yeah, so we did lose him. So we just have the one Drake bad boy now, which makes bad it kind of boy. easier because the two boys would fight. Yeah. <laughs> bad boy got a lot of timeouts. Time <laughs> well, with that um, name, you wouldn't expect anything else but a few timeouts. If your name bad boy, you're sitting in timeout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he lives up to his name. Drake can be a little challenging just because they're they, they, they got their dose of testosterone. But bad boy is it's much easier with just the one Drake now. So that's nice. Is he the Ancona? Yes. Nice. Yeah. They're beautiful yeah, dogs. I love they the magpies. Are. I'm always about those magpies. They're so cute. They are. They're so cute. But I do need to. Matt's their farms uh, actually wanted to give me some ducklings this fall, but I had some other stuff planned. But they, they told me they have a new breed and I don't recall what it was now. But Metzer has Yes, they do have a new breed. Dog. What is, is that? Is it a crested something or other? I think I so. Was so so tempted, but I, I don't like to get little ones going into the winter either, just because it can get well, so, so cold, cold so fast. Yeah, and I don't want ducks in the house, you know, all winter. <laughs> um, but in the spring, I just I think we need more ducks because they're just. In fact, I'm working on a blog post now. Uh, Twelve reasons why ducks are better than chickens. Oh man! <laughs> Which I'm sure I know. I'm sure that's going to create all kinds of drama, but <laughs> go figure. You know. The I mean, life is good because you can have both if you want. Yeah. You can have both. You need to start a podcast drinking with ducks. I would be your guest every week. I mean, <laughs> I'm my husband and I are really probably going to get ducks instead of chicks. I've wanted them for so long. So we're probably going to get a few just good lang breeds in the spring. They're so um, great. They're, they're so, I mean. I'm a hardcore chicken girl. I mean, I'm a hardcore chicken girl. I love me some chickens. Um. But I, I, we both love the ducks. The ducks are just gorgeous. And so we're probably going to be sneaking more duck breed spotlights in because how can you go wrong? Yeah. They have fascinating histories. They're beautiful. They do. They are beautiful. The, the one downside, I guess, you don't get as many color eggs, you know, because they basically just wait, lay the white and the bluish green. We do have right. a Hyoga that lays the charcoal gray. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are so cool. Um, but yeah, ducks are... They're so much fun. They're just always in a good mood. It's so easy to add new ducks. You know, they don't want to kill each other. It's like they trade off, you know, who's in charge. It's funny because on Instagram, on my reels, a lot of times I do ducks, just ducks walking to like the Mission Impossible music. Yeah. (laughs) And that just sums up ducks. That is there every day. (laughs) Off on a new mission. Always like you look out and they just go zooming across like all of them. They're, they're just so different than chicken. They're I can't wait. night and day. I'm really excited for them. Um, and uh, once upon a time, I really wanted geese. We ended up with sheep instead, and I do not regret that. But, you know, maybe geese down the road. 
<laughs> the geese are so fun too. They are so smart. It's it's like they're not even animals. They're just they kind of just look down on the chickens and ducks. You know, like oh, we have to be here just to keep you guys in line. <laughs> I love that. They're, the geese are very social. They're a lot of fun. I know that I just saw my pet chicken is now carrying magpies. Oh wow! I but Ma- I mean, Metzer has all the breeds you yeah could ever need. Yeah. So- Anything else before we let you go? Anything else fun? Anything new out? Anything else you want to tell everyone about? No, my lips are sealed. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, not really. Secret. Kind of, yeah, coming down off of finishing up the second season. And yeah, no, just going to enjoy winter in Maine and not nice. have to go anywhere. And, well, um, you know, spring is always so busy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, your cookbook is still selling very well. Do you have it? Are you? Are you writing anything? You have any books in process that you can tell us about? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I think that's the most we're getting. We're not getting anymore. We're not getting anymore. But yeah, no, all my books are, you know, they're all available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, random bookstores. I get pictures all the time. You know, a book that came out five, six years ago. Someone's like, hey, look what I found on the shelf. You know, nice. So, um, yeah. So probably more books in my future. Fantastic. Sounds good. Well, thank you so Thanks much that. for joining us. Absolutely. We just want to say thank you to Lisa again. It's always so much fun to have you on. We love you for becoming a regular guest on the show. I know. It's great. Converting people to duck addicts one at a time. And to oatmeal. That's right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween, everyone. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. We just want to thank Lisa one more time for a really fun conversation. So much fun. Yep. Remember, oats are fine in moderation. Okay. So let's move on to cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. This week's cracking the eggs, we have one of Lisa's recipes that we're going to talk about. But because candy corn started out (laughs) as chicken scratch, we want to take a little look into it. So here we go. Yeah, it's fun. So candy corn has been in existence for over 100 years, believe it or not. A long time. A long time. The story there is that the Wonderly Candy Company had an employee named George Renninger, and he supposedly invented this in the 1880s. Long time. Now, what we do know for sure, and we, I, I don't know anything about the Wonderly Candy Company, what we do know is that there was a Golitz Candy Company, G-O-E-L-I-T-Z. Right. Now, Golitz eventually became the Jelly Belly Candy Company. Oh, yes. Okay. And they definitely started producing candy corn just around 1900. Okay. And they still make it today. Now, when candy corn first started being made, it was made seasonally. Right. It was pretty labor intensive. Generally, the candy companies would start making it in late August and it would continue through the fall. Right. I mean, it was very harvesty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When you think of corn, you think of summer and fall, right? And that's when it comes in the harvest and right. everything else. So, yeah. I mean, and it is kind of labor intensive because yeah. you have to make three different colors and everything has to be assembled right. together with a- essentially three different flavors. What I read was that the first person we mentioned that was making candy corn was making it as sort of a buttercream. Right. And then when Golitz started doing it, it was more of a like a mallow cream. Right. So like some marshmallow. Probably, yeah. Or corn syrup mixed right. in there, all of that sort of thing. If you do a, a Google search, you can find photos of the early boxes. It's really cool. Of the candy corn. It was called, Gullitz initially called it chicken feed. Yep. 
and it had roosters on the boxes. It's They're really, really cool. cool. I'm looking at them right now. Yep. I mean, it, to find one of those boxes would be really neat. I was just thinking the same thing. That's and, a collector's dream right there. Yeah. And you know what? When you think about it, it looks like scratch. Oh, yeah. It's corn. It looks like corn. It's scratch. corn. It's corn. And that's why we wanted to talk about it a little bit. Now, here we're going to give you a little secret. Yeah. It doesn't have eggs. It does not have eggs, but we thought it was so cool. We thought it was so cool. And and you know that the fact that you can make it yourself, and Lisa puts a recipe out and yep. very, you know, you follow along with the steps. It's a little bit more labor, but if you want to make something fresh yourself and you like candy corn, candy corn is one of those things that you either love or you hate. There's I not a love- lot of- me some candy corn. Do you know how much candy corn you've eaten here? You eat a lot of candy corn here too. I've never noticed. Well, that is it's one of the I eat chocolate. But you it's can't one have of chocolate. the only candies that I can actually eat because yeah. it's so, gluten and dairy free. When we're here and we're working, there's a big candy bowl down in the basement that the kids come and dump all their candy. In. Right. I go for the chocolate. Holly Ann can't have it. So she goes for the candy corn and the starburst. I don't remember a lot of candy corn. I must just clean it out around Halloween and that's Maybe the end of you it. do. Yeah. But my mom loves candy corn. I oh, really? like it. I'm one of these people in the middle. Like, I'm not going to. I mean, I will fully admit it's gross. And if you eat a whole bunch of it, it's really sweet. <laughs> but it's like one of the few pieces of candy I can have. And so if I want something sweet, a few candy corn kernels. But you spot. know what? I never thought of making it yourself. Yeah, me either. And it could be better for you at that point because everything's fresh. Right. You know, it's a lot of sugar still. But it's a fun thing to do, especially if you have kids. To get them in the kitchen and make something yourself yeah. that is, look, you can buy that in the store or we can make it this way. If you make it yourself, you can change the colors and flavors. Yeah, exactly. Now, Lisa puts the recipe on her website. We're going to have a link in our show notes. Yep. And the thing I like about her recipe is she gives you a lot of photographs along the way. The whole process is the documented. Whole, yeah. Right. So right down to where she takes, she talks about the ball of dough and then she talks about making them into rolling them and then putting them together and then cutting them so and you end the flavor. up with three colors yeah and then she shows it all in the pictures so it makes it easier to follow so try it you might like it or you'll love it or you're not gonna love it it does seem to be like you either love it or you hate it yeah my mom every halloween gives us like two big bags of candy corn and i think that's the candy corn you oh my Lord. i have no memory of this no because it's like you can't eat a lot of candy well, just so you know, yesterday was National Candy Corn Day. Wow. October 30th is National Candy Corn Day. Yay. Why well, gotta eat me some candy corn? Uh-huh. Or chicken feet. Just don't feed it to your chickens. No, Seriously. It only looks like chicken yeah, feet. Yeah, it's not good. Okay. So, are we ready to move on to retail therapy? Retail therapy. Yeah. yeah. This week's retail therapy, we're talking local. If you're in the Mid-Atlantic, if you're in Maryland, if you're somewhere around in Hartford County, you need to check out a local farm that's one of our favorite places. The Purple Rain Lavender Farm. The smell is just amazing. It's an awesome place. And the best thing about it is that you can also purchase some things from them right online. So if you're not here, they do have a store online, so you get the best of both worlds there. Well, you get the best half. Half the right. We're highlighting one of her products specifically. Right. Nest Box Herbs. She has homemade, I mean, these are chunky Nest Box Herbs, which are amazing. When we looked at them, we have some. Oh, they smell incredible. Like whole flowers in there from the farm. 
Pam is the owner, and I mean, and her family, and they take so much time in doing everything. And it's even if you just go to her website and you check it out, it's a beautiful website. It really is. The Nest Box Herbs, again, because we made this chicken related, the Nest Box <laughs> Herbs are amazing. But she has a lot of things uh, lavender lotion, lavender sachets, which are wonderful if you're a knitter or crocheter and you want to keep the moths out. Yeah, this, this one product, lavender hand and foot rescue. That's yeah, amazing. Is that a scrub? No, that's just like a cream. But then she has a lavender hydrating body wash, $11. That's made from them. That's the body lotion's $11. Yeah. The soap is 7 The prices are very reasonable for everything. They really are. And it's just one of those things that we wanted to give her a shout out because they work so hard on everything on this farm. And Check out their website. You may find something on there you really like. One of my favorite products is the lavender roll-on. Yes. You know, you can use that for headaches. You just roll the... It's, and it's essential oil and a carrier oil. Yes. Well, I've actually started using it as like a perfume. I know. It smells so good. Here's the other thing. You can actually buy the dried French lavender from them that, that they've harvested right from... And get that sent to you right from nice. their farm. Twelve dollars. That's not expensive oh, wow. at all. Just, uh, just she just bunch them and send them. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Now, what was more expensive was the dried lavender wreath, but they're absolutely those. gorgeous. She and they hand will makes those. Sent your whole house. You have one of her eucalyptus wreaths. It I smells do. Amazing. I love it. The dried lavender wreath is sixty five, but it's all uh-huh. handmade. She has lip balm. Everything. I mean, again, we're making this chicken related because she does have the nest herbs, which are amazing. Right. But the essential oils you were talking about, ten dollars. Yeah. I mean, you're not gonna find that stuff that no, cheap and, and anywhere. It's high quality and you know, grown right there on her farm. Now, she does have the rose water we've talked about before. Yes. And now she has lavender floral water too. The lavender water. Okay. So I wonder if you kind of use that the same way. There are some different uses for it. It would depend on a couple of things like strength, et cetera. I mean, she has a still, which yeah. is how she distills the rose yep. water. Yeah. Here's your lavender roll on seven fifty. I mean, yeah, the prices are so inexpensive. It's crazy cheap. Like if I'm if I'm stressed, I will roll a little bit on my wrists and like behind my my ears, you know, like pulse points. Yeah. And just like let that smell wash over me. And again, your chickens are going to have the same effect with these. She uses all the flowers from her right. from her gardens. Yeah. Okay. So check it out. You might find something you like over there. Absolutely. So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we are spotlighting a gorgeous bantam breed. The Seabright. The Seabright. We'll be joined for main topic by Stephanie Coomer. She's the marketing manager for the American Poultry Association. It's going to be a great interview. We're going to talk poultry shows and everything in between. Cracking the eggs, shepherd's pie. Yay. Perfect for fall. And reach out therapy. We're going to talk about vintage Libby chicken glassware. Yay. Good stuff. It's going to be great. So should we tell everybody what to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 